once once as we agree the the perception is damaged it's gonna be very hard unless and again I think I think it's not all that we can do as, as the EMIs and, and, and fintechs there's a lot also that the government the regulators should do and 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 unfortunately the only solution will to this issue was go find the license in another European country on the podcast today I'm talking to Ishai Triff the CEO of money net int limited we're talking all about the evolution of the fintech market and also asking what damage reputationally brexit has done to the industry and whether or not it will recover from it this is tech talks it's your twice weekly technology podcast with myself David savage where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news Today I'm joined by Akish. Earlier this week it was uh, International Women's Day and I noticed that there's been a series of videos going out, one of which was advice you'd give your younger self when you were on there, Akish. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. yeah. What was your advice? Uh, I think it was something along the lines of not kind of worrying about what will happen in the future. I think at that moment you kind of when you're a bit young you kind of there's a lot of things in your mind that you you kind of worry about and all oh, what's going to happen here what if i fail my a levels what if i fail my gcse's what if i do this whereas if i look at it now you know i'm gonna be 30 this year you know from my 17 year old 16 year old self 14 years from then you know just don't worry about it you know you you end you end up on a technology podcast on a weekly basis it's absolutely fine <laughs> life life's a walk in the park don't worry about it <laughs> owning your own house in london yeah yeah with all the troubles that it, it brings but yeah it's um it's good not too bad life's no not too it's bad. not it's not it's not and, and and i think you get so consumed don't you at that age with so many pressures or at least i mm. did and you know family school friends around you you know to just a social aspect of things you know it, it wasn't cool to you know like in, in the school that i went to you were considered uncool if you didn't get good grades so it was almost cool if you were passing everything with flying colors and you were getting all these you Jesus, know kind that's of, rare you didn't yeah, go to my know, school yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, and i tell that to people all the time. Like, what school do you go to a private school like, no it wasn't a private school but it was very close to it um Win- windsor boys wasn't it windsor boys school yeah correct yeah Mm. so I, sounds I think private i'll be honest it sounds yeah like it, it does sound private it looked private it, everything they did was private except for my parents didn't have to pay but i did have to do a test to get in um which somehow ah. I managed, managed to pass i guess but um but yeah it was it was good it was good but that's what i'd give myself what about you uh i think my advice was uh don't always try and please everybody mm. yeah. it's an impossible task um you, you waste far too much time trying to get everybody to to agree. It, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of get one or two people who who will work with you and mm-hmm. uh, start yeah. small, and then and then and then get more people interested yeah. from there. Yeah, and that's valid in all walks of life, though, isn't it? Personal, like your, uh, I guess, career, everything. Yeah. I'm not saying intentionally piss people off. I'm just saying it's impossible to walk, to get consensus from everybody a lot of the time. It is. But also at the same time, and, and that's why we like and back diversity, right? Because you sometimes get different ideas. And, yep. you know, and, and that's that's what helps the world go around, so to speak, and and, and, and people do well. And, and, and that's how great ideas are generated. Um, 
I this say. is a very sensible, very philosophical very, start to the podcast. I was just thinking. No, 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 normally, we um, we end up saying something stupid. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we can we can talk about. Is this the first podcast you're doing at your new house? It is. Yes, it yes. is. There we go. There we go. So yeah, I mean, you, you don't mind people knowing, right? That you. No, 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 absolutely not. No. I have moved during lockdown. <laughs> that was an experience. We have. I, I got a virtual tour by uh, by Dave before we hit record. Um, very nice house, and congratulations to him and him and his missus. Very bare, very, very bare. <laughs> Hopefully, unlike this podcast. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Let's get into it. Uh, so, our guest, MoneyNet Int, uh, Founder CEO Ishai um, is our guest. Um, it's funny, isn't it? I record these and sometimes I listen back to them and go, wow, that's that's aged already. This one isn't, I think we only recorded it four or five weeks ago and we're talking about vaccine rollouts and uh, already it feels like it was ancient history. So yeah. anyway, incredible how quickly the world, the world is moving at the minute, but we'll jump into the interview. Myself and Akish will be back with some comments afterwards. On today's show, I'm talking to Ishai Triff. Ishai, you're the CEO of MoneyNet Int Limited. How are you this morning? I'm good, considering, you know, but I'm good. You're you're in you're in Israel, you're in Tel Aviv, right? Currently uh, I'm in Tel Aviv, yeah, but uh, most of the time I'm in the UK. Yes, but um I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, Israel has been held up as a country that's getting it right. Uh and so yeah. it's interesting to hear before we hit record, you're kind of going, Oh, it's not great. I think I think a lot of Brits would be very envious uh, to be in Tel Aviv right now. It's it, it's get, they, they are getting it right in in terms of the vaccines, but as I told you before, I don't think there's any government who actually managed to deal with the uh, with all the pandemic issue. You know, you you mentioned New Zealand, but besides of New Zealand and and yeah. maybe Taiwan, but eventually that that's a new thing. That yeah. always you're learning about new. I'm, I'm sure that let's cross finger that will not happen again in the next pandemic. They will be smarter, but I don't see any government that actually managed to deal with it. And currently, the exit strategy is the vaccine. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's a pity that this is a strategy, a strategy, a exit strategy. But uh, that's the way. Honest, when you say the next pandemic. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to be blissfully, blissfully ignorant and hope that that's <laughs> not the case. And this is once yeah. in a hundred years. Anyway, look, um, getting on to the main topic of the, of the conversation, uh, CEO of, of MoneyNet Int. Who are MoneyNet Int before we dive into anything else? MoneyNet Int, that's a company that was established in 2005. Uh, mm-hmm. Back then, back in the old good days, we, 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 we had a HMRC license. We we got it and 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 anyone should be envy. We got the first license in three weeks time. Just imagine to get a financial license in three weeks time. That's something that you cannot even think about it. Uh, in two thousand nine ten, they the FSA came and then the FCA. It was changed. We got a new license from the FSA. And I think it was two thousand ten. 2014, we have uh, upgraded our license into an EMI, an AMI, Authorized Electronic Money Institution. Uh, ever since then, we are working in, in this uh, area of uh, payments, uh, electronic money. But mm-hmm. uh, what we are doing, um, uh, how, how we differentiate ourselves from other companies we try is that we targeting many businesses. Uh, it's easy, it's very easy to explain to our client when he's asking, what do you do? I said, 
when it was at the beginning, you know, you know PayPal? He said, yeah, of course I know PayPal. So we are PayPal for businesses. We will not open you a, 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 an individual account, but we are PayPal for businesses. Mm-hmm. You will get a, 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 a liquidity, a, a, a payment account for your business where you can manage it, uh, all your uh, day-to-day activity. We call it one-stop shop for all your liquidity management. You can pay invoices, you can pay your bills, you can pay salaries, you can issue prepaid cards, you can do local payments. I, I, I once described it as, as the payment provider that you wish your bank would have been, but he will never be like that. Right. We really hope that the bank will be able will enable you to do local transfers in India and rupee and Hong Kong dollar and then the local transfer in USD. But that's something you will never be able to get from your bank. Well, you know that's that's obvious, and uh, because the banks are focusing on other channels that they can, they they, they see it as more beneficial for them and more profitable, and that's what we are focusing. We are focusing on localizing your ecosystem. Meaning that eventually, all if, if if you're building a business or you want to uh, establish a new business and you are thinking about how to get clients, how to do marketing, how to do all all those essential, we we are telling you, uh, we will take care of your financials. You can you can sleep assure you can sleep very 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 good at night. We we will take your financials. We will give you local accounts. We'll give you local distribution. We will give you local collections in order for you to. To 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 free your mind from from uh, other issues. So so look, you, you've you've touched there on a number of areas, and you've alluded to some of the challenges that businesses face when they're growing internationally, different currencies and 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 exactly. uh, local local concerns, etc. How can a fintech? Oh, sorry, how can a fintech help solve those challenges? And and specifically, what tends to be the top one, two, three challenges that those businesses do face when they're growing internationally. It's 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 funny that you said fintech because as we 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 started and we started and as, as I mentioned two thousand five then two thousand ten mm-hmm. we got our license and then actually became a fintech. We actually were a fintech be, be, without even knowing that in two thousand ten there were no fintech. You you mentioned the word fintech and it was uh, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying, but for fintech businesses so so that, that's going back so we actually see ourselves one of the first fintechs that was actually a fintech even before someone thought about the word. But as you mentioned, eventually uh, any, any fintech is working, would like to work globally. Any fintechs mm. don't, any fintech or any business uh, for, for that matter thinks globally. He, he, don't, he Now in this world, no one actually, most of the companies don't look at their specific market as their target market, unless you're doing it's something something very specific, but they are looking globally. They, they, there's a business from the from England who wants to start selling selling in Germany or wants to start selling in in the US, and it's very easy. Basically, there's no there's there shouldn't be any boundaries of where you located in terms of who you're selling your shoe shoes that you are manufacturing, you're buying or or glasses or whatever. So. What we are actually doing, or, or, or some kind of a, a tech support, or some kind of a system, that the, the, the boundary is basically nowadays, you know, a year ago, but also now, has uh, wiped out. The and, and 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 we are coming into that niche. That saying, 
you want to start selling, you, you're a UK business who wants to start selling in the US, but you want to give your clients the most comfortable way to pay you your invoices. And let's make it a, very clear. Eventually, a client that is happy from your services will stay with you. We'll stay with you. We'll not, we'll not look for other solutions. So this is where, where we're trying to help our clients, our fintech clients, our, our businesses clients, meaning we are, we are creating for them a local system in each jurisdiction in order mm -hmm. for them to get local payments and to do local payouts. This is, this is give them and their clients the comfort of, I have a reliable company that I can trust. I have a reliable company that's getting my my, my 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 invoices in time and paying me on time i can see the funds are going smoothly that's fine i will continue working with them because we understand that a client that is happy with you will not look at, of course and 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 the condition that you're giving fair prices will not look for different solu different solution and this is exactly what we're trying to build for our client an ecosystem that will allow them to give their clients a reliable system. So look, you, you pick out two words there, reliability and trust. And and this is, and again, you're right, this is our number one, before yeah. pricing, before anything, reliability, reliability and trust. Okay, so those are the two big challenges that those companies face and where they need some reassurance. How is Brexit going to affect that? Because I'd imagine that UK businesses could still provide reliability and trust despite Brexit. But I'd just be intrigued because obviously when we talk about fintech and you make the point that fintech is a relatively new term, but when you talk about fintech, you do immediately intrinsically tie it to London and London as a financial hub. So can can we still provide reliability and trust, or do you think that's been damaged? First, it was damaged. Uh, it was damaged. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we will not be able to do it, but it, it was damaged. It was damaged from the fact that eventually, when you're working under the European Union, you know that eventually, even if you have a dispute, you, 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 everyone is obliged to the same set of rules, to the same set of, uh, of, of, uh, of procedures that uh, is common in all Europe, and now, if just to jump in though, sorry, that that's perception though, rather than that's a than something specific, right? Everything in life is perception until you don't don't test it, actually. So you live according to the perception. Ninety percent of the time, you don't test the perception because you don't need to. Only ten five percent of the times you you actually challenge it, and then you find out it's not correct, but. For 90% of the time, the perception is everything. Hmm. There 90% of the cases, you will not go to a you 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 will not you you will you will not go after the after after your provider. You will not you will not get into any, any kind of a dispute in, in 90%. So you're living according to your perception. Perception is in most of the cases is, is, is the most important thing. And currently the perception is damaged. UK is no longer from the e for, is no longer part of the EEA for the European Union. Mm -hmm. Hence, it's, it's, it's something different. It, it still don't know how to digest. We, we, no one knows how to digest, but I'm, I'm sure it was jammed. It, 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 
damaged the future of the it damaged the fintech industry in the UK. I don't know the future, but currently the, the fintech industry have been damaged. Uh, in terms of also, I, I will give you an example of, 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 of ourselves. We are a fintech company and we were passported for, we, got, we had a passport our license to all of European like countries. The minute of the Brexit, uh, January 1st or 31 of December midnight, we lost our passporting rights. So that means that companies in our line of business of EMIs, fintechs, whatever, they lost a major bunch of their potential clients. And I will tell you something, and I'm not sure when someone asked me in the last two years, I want to establish a new fintech, EMI, whatever. I told them, I don't think that's a good idea to come to the UK. Um, and, and I'm telling it because you don't know what's going to be. So you, mm. you, you're going to come to the UK. You're going li- to get a license in the UK. And then what? And then in two years, you will find and uh, you will get for a new solution. So start fresh. Start with somewhere, some, somewhere else. And, and, and unfortunately... I don't see that anyone in the government or even in the Brexit, and I read most, no, not most, I read the the, 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 the important thing in the 250, two, 1,259 or 57 pages of the Brexit agreement. Nothing is mentioned over there for financial institutions, for EMIs, and those go hand in hand with fintech. Because financial, currently financial institution, EMI, this is fintech. And, and so, nothing is so sorry, over there. Yeah. If you are if you are a British company and you are working in the financial markets, uh, what do you do? What's 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 the suggestion? Because I, if your perception is damaged, how 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 best to counter that? I I, I will tell you, the, the perception is damaged. Yeah. How how we are how we trying to fix it is by pointing out. The, the the advantages that we have, and I'm talking from my personal experience, pointing out the advantages that we have an experienced company, pointing out the advantages that we have from, that we managed in the last couple of years to secure a new solution for the European clients. And, 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 and eventually this is, this is, this is how, how it works because for, let's say a new company, that want to establish a business now in the UK. Once, once as we agree, the, the perception is damaged. It's going to be very hard, unless. And again, I think I think it's not all that we can do as as EMIs and, and, and fintechs. There's a lot also that the government, the regulators should do. And 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 unfortunately, the only solution were to this issue was go find a license in another European country. And, and, but, but, but I see it as I'm your client. I'm paying taxes. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm paying, I'm paying to, the, I'm, we're paying. I'm your client and your solution is go pay someone else. And I'm say, saying straightforward, but, but I, I was very disappointed from the approach that, that everyone was taken, that no one actually thought about those issues. 
Look, who, who do you think stands to benefit from this in terms of a country or a city? Uh, you talk there about maturity, okay? Um, the perception that I've had um, is that uh, basically the, the American fintech market is relatively immature and that British and European fintechs have looked at that as being a, an area where they can grow quite I, rapidly. I, I, I agree. I agree with you completely. And and so and, if you're if you're saying another another Europe, you know, move to another European next country. Next in line, France, Germany, France. Yeah. Next in line, uh, uh, Netherlands. Uh, but who 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 is who is best positioned to take advantage? Um. <sighs> Uh, there are two areas. Listen, uh, uh, the natural, the natural thing, the natural way to say is to say Ireland, Ireland. That's an, right. uh, that's a English-speaking country, uh, very close to the UK. You can uh, you can li- live in the UK and and and, uh, and work in Ireland. That that's that's a, that's a, that's that's a, an obvious obvious uh, answer. But I don't see a lot of fintechs from Ireland. I, I I saw a couple of and and I and, I, and how I know it because I, I have a couple of clients who are fintechs and I I see I I, I noticed where they migrated their work and employees. I didn't see a lot of migration into Ireland, but um, I'm guessing there is. So Ireland is in a good position, and beside of that, there's the two other major countries: there's France and Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Germany. Is is uh, is in a in a better in a better position than France, uh, and again because of the language, you, you cannot uh, you cannot the, you cannot ignore that uh, English is that's the international language, and and if you are, insist not to speak, so that's yeah. The look, I mean, one one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and look. I love France. I love married France. In France. Yeah. I have a goddaughter who lives in rural France. All my family holidays have been in France. I love France. Okay, so put that out there, anyone French <laughs> who's listening. But I was at Web Summit a few years ago and Francois Hollande came on stage uh, and he was the only person who decided that he wasn't going to speak in English and he spoke in French and the Altis Arena emptied. <laughs> and you just thought, well, he's French, isn't he? <laughs> and, and exactly, exactly. And, and I, think, I think Ireland and Germany... Because Germany is much more open to that, are in yeah. the in 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 a good uh, in a good in a good position to take over, and 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 there's no secret that a lot of a lot of banks and uh, and financial um, institution move to the major one, uh, move to Frankfurt mm-hmm. uh, as their banking hub, and eventually fintech is serving banks. Bank. Yeah. So, if your if your financial hub is in Frankfurt, so you want to be close to that. Yeah. And 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 then and again, it, it's only been I don't know three weeks since the Brexit. In the agreement, there is some kind of uh, reference to the financial institution saying in twelve weeks they're gonna decide about something. But I think it's gonna be too late and. Water under the bridge. The the French regulators already issued war or issued uh, 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 publications exactly who lost his passporting. So unfortunately, someone need to wake up fast. But because of the pandemic, it's I don't know exactly how fast yeah. it will be. 
Look, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Uh, really interesting to get your insight on the market and uh, to hear a little bit about uh, the role that your business is playing. So thank you very much. Um, I hope that uh, you, you, the vaccine does get rolled out quickly in Tel Aviv. I really uh, hope so. Really hope so. Hopefully it gets rolled out here. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, yes. We yes, love yes. to talk. And uh, yeah, good luck for the, for, the, for the next few months ahead. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for hosting me. Reminiscing about the good old days of 2005. Up yours, yours, Nigel Farage. You know, forget about the 1950s. It's all about just thinking how good it was 15 years ago. Very good. Very good. 2005 was a great year, <laughs> I guess. And also pre financial crash, pre yeah. bloody Tory governments, pre Brexit <laughs> ever being on the horizon. Yeah. Oh, and, and, gold, also, golden age. and also, you know, I'm going to get cricket into it. The Ashes win in 2005. Oh, the summer yeah. of cricket. Come on. You know, forget, forget. United were still, were still reasonably good as well. Yeah, there we go. So we both remember 2005 in some capacity. Um, but yeah, what, what, yeah, that, that sort of time. But I'll tell you what, right? It, it almost, when you think back and then you think to 2021 um, or 2020, whatever, you almost think how far the industry's come, how far organizations have come. And yep how far business in terms of ideas in terms of even consumers have have come and and obviously yeah 15 years there's probably a lot more people using a lot more things than they were back at you know back in the day or 15 years ago but just in terms of our habits in terms of what we were doing and and when you kind of look around you know how quickly things are changing and and how quickly kind of stuff is is becoming apparent so and there's a lot more on the digital side right well, yeah, I mean, 2005 is is pre iPhone, which almost feels like a, a completely different era. The the age of pre smartphones, pre apps, pre you know, let's face it, these little devices that basically run our lives. Pre the term fintech, you know, mm-hmm. um, Ichiro makes the point that even ten years ago, fintech, you know, he talks about fintech, and most people would have been like, "What the hell are you on about?" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in that environment that they were kind of setting up something that looked a bit like a PayPal for business. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Liquidity management, one-stop shop, localizing your ecosystem. Um, kind of a little bit ahead of their trend at the time. Yeah, a little bit. but no, And also, I wonder what they must have gone through to try selling that idea to any investors or any people that had a, a kind of you know, a vested interest in their product and and what they were offering, right? Um, which I don't really think he kind of alludes to much in the interview. But that he that just talked was... about how easy it is to get licenses and regulated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, at that time, people must have been looking at him, right? Because that we were very used to going to a cash point, or businesses were very used to writing checks. Um, you know, foreign exchange was kind of done on on just a one rate you know type transaction and, yep. and that was it so there wasn't all these kind of funky ways there was no crypto you know or, or there may have been crypto i mean i don't know um but you know just just in terms of kind of where they were back then they were set up to business now i guess um which is good yeah i mean coming on to to the next point i mean we talk a lot about trust and reliability in the in in the interview the one thing that i suppose it's trickier for any organization right right at that bleeding edge and let's talk about disruptive tech because that's effectively what they were in 2005 paypal for business now doesn't necessarily sound all that disruptive mm-hmm. but, um that's because we're used to multiple 
um, mobile and digital first um, financial offerings, mm. um, we wouldn't use a lot of the products that we use now back in that environment where we were used to having to walk into the bank. And, you know, finance is, is one of those areas where where you do take a bit more to trust. I mean, it's yeah. only just now that you're beginning to see mortgage offerings that are digital first. You know, yeah. that's a bank a couple of years ago um we're, we're trialing that but uh, molo finance who obviously we had on the on the show recently yep. you know uh, there are still parts of the financial services market that people are very wary of of moving away from the legacy providers for hmm. and it's always been that that kind of well what's going to happen to my money which i kind of get you know we, me and you both have seen the fall of Places like Northern Rock, um, you know, kind of Lehman Brothers, subprime mortgages, you know, all that sort of stuff in our lifetime, obviously post 2005, I think. Um, but at the same time, you almost think, right, you know, if people are being so hesitant, then maybe it is the right thing. You know, and I'm the same, you know, if something was to happen today or there was a new product, I would be a bit hesitant about kind of money and how much I'm putting in and where it's going to be used, all these sorts of things. But at the same time, you know, those that kind of get on that journey early doors, they can reap some great yeah. benefits and, 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 you know, kind of come out winners at the end of it, really. Um, I mean, 2005, big, big, oh, yeah. 2005, for example, I wouldn't have ever contemplated the idea of, doing something like putting the the deposit from a house in something like Monzo. Yeah. The idea of take, of not doing anything outside, like having multi, like I would have just done everything with Barclays. Yeah. Now it's like, I've got Monzo, I've got Revolut, I've got Barclays, I've got uh, Vanquish's credit card. You know, you've got multiple different things mm. that you use and it's absolutely fine. And mm. you ping money backwards and forwards between them in seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I paid for my wedding using TransferWise. Yeah. Um, you know, four, five years, five years ago now, um, mm. this this spring, again, kind of pre the era of fintechs, that would have just been something you would have never done. No, and and I think the biggest thing is the the easy factor or the the kind of easeability that that you just have as a consumer to say, right, yeah. I need to pay for this, I can ping it here, I need to pay for that, I can ping it there. So much more I mean, choice. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you remember if you ever had to send money abroad? I mean, you know, I, I've kind of sent money abroad and stuff, or my family used to. You had to go in, fill out this massive form at like Western Union or one of these post offices and do all this and get the cash out. And then you had a lady kind of, you know, counting it about five million times and all this sort of stuff. Whereas now you want to send money abroad, you ping it into, you know, their PayPal, ping it into, you know, their account online. It's done within seconds, you know. Mm. Um so I just think in terms of the products that we now have, I mean, we we are a lucky generation, right? Because um, a lot of the things that are coming out now are the first time it, it's happening or, or, you know, mm -hmm. it's the kind of polished or finished product of something that did happen 15 years ago. And EJ talks about the fact that, you know, that the banks aren't interested in providing a service like they're, prov they're, they're providing. But, the you know, the more that the fintech in, uh, industry eats away and chips away and starts providing these solutions, the more pressure mm. it puts on legacy banks to to improve their services and keep ahead of the curve if they can. It, it puts it on their banks. I think interest rates, I think, um, you know, various products or the fallen kind of foreign exchange i don't think that would keep bank ceos up at night i think what will or what is probably keeping them up at night is the emergence of products like um you know money net you know these kind of disruptors that are coming into the organization 
um, because they're the ones that will pose a threat, not in a bad way, but, you know, just in terms of, look, guys, get on with it, you know, kind of, you've got the infrastructure, heck, you've got the money, um, you know, it's time to do something and give Mm -hmm. the kind of market what they want. Whereas I think all the other traditional banking side of things, I think, you know, that almost looks after itself really uh, in terms of making the world go round. But I almost, I almost kind of think about it like, um, going back to that political kind of analogy, um, you've got lifelong supporters of one particular party and the first time they vote for a different party, it opens the floodgates to them potentially kind of Mm. switching from election to election. It's almost like my entire life I was with Barclays, my parents were with Barclays. It was just like everything we always did, you know, it was using Mm. Barclays. And Mm. as soon as you get one fintech product, all of a sudden you've got loads of them and you're like, well, hang on a minute, which service is better for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I can provide. And, 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 you know, th- there is so much more choice, and it's for businesses and consumers, and it's it's can can only be a good thing. Yeah, so it's it's like you were blinded, but you can now suddenly see right, and you're like, oh wow, okay, I've got this, and I can do this, and this is you know this I can pair up with my savings, and I can still kind of run money through, and and do you know what I mean? I I just think it's catering to everyone's <clears throat> kind of here and now approach to things rather than wait look watch listen see mm. take do you know what i mean so it's it's they need to cater to that i think which is um which is massive i mean if you can get a five you know michelin star restaurant meal delivered to your house within half an hour you should be able to you know kind of get your money from one place to another yeah. within seconds do you know what i mean that that's yeah. the kind of way i see it um, but i'm not going to talk about much about uh brexit uh, i think there's some interesting comments in there and obviously shay is someone who's from outside of the uk so it's just an interesting perspective to, to obviously share with the audience the one thing i will say i'm not a fan of brexit um yeah. I, I don't think i ever will be um yeah. but that english language thing is a real insulator perhaps from some of the worst ravages of what it could do to our economy the fact that every, that the international language of business is english may well save us a lot of trouble yeah and i'm the same as you you know don't don't agree with it voted against it you know been quite vocal in my in my opinions um you know in and around the office and work and whatever but yeah it's it's mad i, th- I think that's a saving grace can you call it that I don't know. Well, the fact the fact that you know, if you go to France, you know, next 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 one off the line, France. Yeah, but they don't speak English mm. pre- predominantly. You know, actually, the English language is is a remarkably helpful <laughs> tool and happy coincidence, and probably is you know, it's one of the reasons that London became the centre that it is. Mm. You know, a mixture of language and geographical location. Yeah. Um, you know, GMT giving you um, a, an opportunity to look east and west at the same time in a way that the mm. Far East markets and the US markets can't. Mm. Um, that those those very lucky uh, aspects may well insulate businesses from 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 some of the worst effects perhaps 100%, of, of, yeah. of yeah. Uh, folly yeah and and also i think it, and maybe a large part of it is is the, the the culture and and you know being very western orientated you go into parts of europe and you know business work 
whatever, you know, is, is very much kind of under a, a cultural umbrella and there's certain ways that you can do things, there's certain ways you can't do things. Whereas I think we're very lucky in, in England or London, um, you know, that is quite similar to some of the, the bigger cities in the world, you know, yep. similar to New York, similar to, you know, a, a lot of the where you would find these financial giants. Um, and I think that's why people can make it home from home. And who would have thought that <laughs> the English language could come and save, you know, industries and, and, and organizations? But it could be a it could be our our ticket to keep everything. Well, most things here. Although I do like his point about Ireland, potentially. Yeah. That could be a that could be a booming. I mean, I do know that there's banks that have moved some operations there. Um, we shall see. We shall see. And and then it just opens up another can of worms around the borders and you know how things should be policed and you know taxes and all these sorts of things and the euro versus the pound, all these sorts of stuff. But I don't know. That's, well, uh, well, that's... Debates for another day. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. Don't don't want to have two podcasts in one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll take a quick break. When we're coming back, we're going to talk. Uh, well, we're going to revisit actually something that we talked about with Ken and Jesse not too long ago. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They've started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. So this story today uh, for you, Bitcoin rise could leave carbon footprint the size of London, right? The surge in Bitcoin's price since the start of 2021 could result in a crypto in cryptocurrency having a carbon footprint the same as that of London's, according to the research. Alex De Vries, a Dutch economist, uh, created the Bitcoin Energy Consumption Index, one of the first systemic, uh, systematic rather attempts to estimate the energy use of the Bitcoin network. By late 2017, he estimated the network used 30 terawatt hours a year, the same as the whole of the Republic of Ireland. Now, De Vries estimates the network use uh, is more than twice and possibly three times as much as that. So between 78 and 101 terawatts an hour, or about the same as Norway. Now, Akish, you may remember we had Ken and Jesse from Ripple and the Energy Web Foundation talking about the need to decarbonize the technology industry and the effects yeah. of Bitcoin uh, only three, four months ago. So it's, it's good to see this story hitting mainstream press. Good to see some uh, officials reporting and, and data. Well, hang on, are you saying that we're not official? Well, I mean, we're, we're two numpties <laughs> with a head, headset and a mic, and we really <laughs> come on. But you know, good we're, to see we're ahead of the trends here, mate. We're, we're three, yeah, three yeah. ahead of the Guardian. We're we whistleblowers. We whistleblowers. We were talking about it. We we were saying, look. It ain't, it ain't all, you know, friendly. Well, we're, 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 bell, we're bellwethers. That's what bellwether. we are. <laughs> bellwether. There we are. The bellwether uh, podcast. I, I wasn't sure what you were about to say when you said bell, but uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, but the thing is, right, and, and this is what we spoke about. We said, right, yeah, it's all good. It's all online, all this sort of stuff. But, you know, th there are going to be some effects to, 
you know the, the sustainability element to, to the environment <laughs> and here it is you know kind of there in front of everyone to see and just kind of you know sorting out stuff and, and putting in things and you know all this sort of stuff so uh, i don't know i guess it's just one of those things right yeah, I mean, roughly 60% of the cost of Bitcoin mining is the price of the electricity used, mm-hmm. um, which is staggering, really. Uh, there is a quote here as well about data center usage. Um, it's something along the lines of, you know, the, the amount used to consume, the amount used to mine is is more than all of the data centers in the world put together or something quite frankly terrifying. But um, just in case I've got that wrong, we'll put a link uh, to the article um, in the show notes. But it it highlights, let's not say that Bitcoin is bad for the planet because that, I think that's quite a dangerous statement to make. But Mm. it does highlight the need for technology generally to Mm. think about um, the sustainability angle just simply because of the amount of energy that we use. You know, we're saying as much energy as all the data centers in the world put together. All the data centers in the world, you know, use a lot of electricity. And it's I suppose it's it's hidden um carbon footprints almost. Like we can see planes in the sky. We can see fossil fuels being burned in um a power station. You know, when there's a coal-fired power station, you go, that's polluting the atmosphere. This car, this petrol car should be an electric car. That's polluting. When it's a, a thing on your screen, you don't mm. immediately think that to it potentially doing damage to the planet. And so it's good to raise that awareness so that people think about it a little bit more abstractly. Yeah, think think about it. And, and we're not saying it's bad. I'm, 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 you know, we're, we're not kind of knocking it down. Well, I don't think so. But The technology is not bad, but it has to be fueled in a but it has, Exactly, way. exactly. Just because it's not lorries being shipped or, or lorries being shipped or lorries being driven. Um you know, from one side of the country to the other and products being done and, and you know, everyone thinks, oh, you know, fumes and, oh, you know, um, petrol and, and natural gases and all this sort of thing. It don't have to be, you know, e- even all this time in front of a screen, monitor, whatever, um, there will be some effects on the environment. And it's good to see, not 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 just, you know, burst people's bubble because I do know a lot of people that are heavily invested in Bitcoin and, you know, are living some of their best moments, I think, at the vote, you know, in the last kind of few months where I think it's been doing pretty well. Um, mm. But just to kind of think, look, well, it, you, you know, you still have a, a responsibility in, in some way. I think it's a, good, it's a good reminder to people that technology has an impact on the planet just yeah. by its very being. And we yeah. should be more aware of that than we are. Exactly. Right. That'll do for today. Uh, Akish, thanks for your time. No props. Enjoy your weekend. Everyone else, enjoy your weekend too. We'll be back next week. Uh